All right, everybody. It is Wednesday, August 23rd. It's going to be a very long day here at Mo News. We'll tell you about that in a second. You're listening to our podcast. It's Mo Shmanunu. And I am Jill Lagner. This is the place where we bring you just the facts. And we read all the news and read between the lines so you don't have to. Okay, Mosh, tonight is basically your Super Bowl. It is the first Republican presidential debate. Are you ready? I actually think a a more apt sports comparison is March Madness, because we're going to have a number of these debates. They're going to be going on for months. So this is the beginning of uh, the action, a reset button. Uh, I think everyone in the Mo News community can imagine I'm doing the Rocky Balboa get ready sequence. I drank a a glass of raw eggs. I'm running. <laughs> I'm chasing after chickens. I'm running up the steps. Uh, I'm getting ready. I'm I'm ready for battle between 9 and 11 p.m. tonight. I'm picturing you with just like seven Gatorades lined up next to each other. And like Alex, <laughs> like, Alex, get me another one. Oh. <laughs> Except that she's eight months oh, pregnant. <laughs> she's, yeah, nearing on nine months. And you know us well enough by now. We're not drinking Gatorade in our house with that artificial sugar, Jill. Something much healthier. Like a watermelon, ginger-infused, yeah, something like that. Yes. All right, let's get to it. Tonight's the night. We've got your full Republican debate preview. Who are the eight candidates on stage and what do they need to do to break through? In some education news, a school bus driver shortage has created a transportation crisis as the school year kicks off. Overseas, a happy ending in Pakistan after a group of students got stuck in a cable car zipline hundreds of feet in the air for hours. And a summit overseas shows how China's and Russia's clout is growing in Africa. What does that mean, though, for the U.S. and Europe? We'll do a little dollar competitor fact check for you today. Speaking of dollars, the Biden administration officially launches the new income-driven student loan repayment plan. Macy's looks to reinvent itself through younger shoppers. Will it work? And remember the disaster that was the fire Festival? We're talking FEMA tents and cheese sandwiches. Well, somehow, Billy McFarland is at it again with fire Festival 2. You have to appreciate his persistence. <laughs> Plus, Moshe is on this day in history. The history behind the term Stockholm Syndrome on this day in history, Jill. Okay, it's finally here. The first GOP presidential debate tonight at 9 p.m. Eastern time in Milwaukee. Fox News hosts Brett Baer and Martha McCallum will moderate. The debate will air on Fox News, Fox Business Network, Fox's website and other streaming and digital platforms. Eight candidates will be on stage, notably absent. The Republican frontrunner, former President Donald Trump, He wrote on Truth Social this week, quote, the public knows who I am and what a successful presidency I had. And then in all caps, I will therefore not be doing the debates, exclamation point. Trump reportedly already taped an interview with Tucker Carlson that is expected to run on Twitter or X at the same time as the debate. But we do want to take a look at who will be on stage tonight. We've got Florida Governor Ron DeSantis, Senator Tim Scott of South Carolina, former South Carolina Governor Nikki Haley, entrepreneur Vivek Ramaswamy, former Vice President Mike Pence, former New Jersey Governor Chris Christie, North Dakota Governor Doug Burgum, and former Arkansas Governor Asa Hutchinson. All right. So the JV debate, Jill, as some people are calling it, because the varsity player who is uh, far ahead of everybody else ain't partaking. Either way, all these folks, uh, these eight people, all believe they can take on Trump here. uh, And they're going to be looking to convince over these next two hours this evening, uh, Republican 
primary voters to consider them, um, especially with polls showing somewhere between 30 to 60 percent of Republican primary voters saying they're still with the former president and they want to give him another shot. So let's start here with a few of the candidates. Uh, we'll go through all eight. We're going to start with the man at the center of the stage tonight. Uh, they're actually placed on the uh, platform based on their polling. So closer to the center, you have higher polls. The people at the ends, the lowest polling. So Ron DeSantis at the center with Trump gone. Uh, this will be probably the most important event for the former Florida governor. He has trailed Trump in early state polling. Actually, his numbers have been going down since uh, he first got in the race in May. Uh, he's had a reset in his campaign. He fired more than a third of his staff after a sluggish start. He's repeatedly referred to this debate as a flashpoint in the race. This is the time when he believes people will start paying attention, and he hopes those paying attention will come over to his side. He is running to the right of Trump, so look out for him not to be too critical of the former president. He needs those Trump people to be converted over to his side since he's not really running in the middle or towards uh, the left side of the Republican Party. Incidentally, uh, we've talked on this podcast about his pre-debate memo uh, saying he's going to go after Ramaswamy, Vivek Ramaswamy, who we'll talk about in a second. Uh, he wants to keep other folks that are sort of nipping at his heels down. And so you'll see him probably go after uh, Vivek there. Uh, he wants to damage him so he doesn't move up in the polls any further. Uh, and by the way, uh, DeSantis has some power players supporting him in this prep, he has a guy named Brett O'Donnell. He's a veteran Republican debate coach. Uh, he prepped Romney back in the day, uh, McCain, Bush, and he's been working with DeSantis. So we'll see what he's been able uh, to accomplish tonight for DeSantis. Next up, we mentioned Ramaswamy. He's the 38-year-old millennial, the youngest person on stage tonight. Vivek Ramaswamy says he has a novel approach to tonight's debate. He has done no preparation, Jill. Um, I don't know how that's ever worked out for you, but he believes uh, that is his trick here. Uh, and he's known to make off-the-cuff remarks, and that has both worked out for him and also done some damage because he's had to do some explaining on some of those off-cuff remarks. A couple things to keep in mind when it comes to Ramaswamy. He has called for the U.S. to stop supporting the war in Ukraine, cut off Ukraine, let's have a relationship with Russia again. He's also talked about completely eliminating the FBI uh, and he's also uh, been the one to take a lead here in terms of pardoning Donald Trump, trying to get all the other candidates to commit if they're president, they will pardon Trump. And if all else fails for um, Vivek Ramaswamy, he could just break out into another performance of Eminem's Lose Yourself. <laughs> Correct. Correct. He is known two weeks ago for uh, knowing the Lose Yourself lyrics. Uh, he performed it karaoke style on stage at the Iowa State Fair. And so, listen, anything's possible. He might drop. Uh, a little bit of Eminem there on the stage in Milwaukee. Uh, next up, we have Chris Christie, who is Trump's most vocal critic among the Republican field. But of course, Trump is not there. So will he go after him? Will he pivot? Uh, he's called Trump a liar, an ugly, divisive, horrible figure. Remember, Christie and him used to be close. In fact, Christie was involved not so long ago, Jill, in 2020, with Donald Trump debate prep. He was prepping Trump for Biden. Interestingly, what his advice was, let Biden talk. Let him ramble. Let America see the real Biden. He had another debate coach, uh, Trump did, named Rudy Giuliani, who said, interrupt him all the time. Well, uh, Trump went with the uh, Giuliani advice there. And of course, some people blame that debate performance uh, for uh, Trump's narrow loss against Biden in 2020. So Christie is an experienced debater. 
and he's hoping to reprise his performances from 2016. He is credited, some of you might remember this, with killing the Rubio campaign. He destroyed Marco Rubio during an early debate there as Rubio was rising um, at the time. The question is, can he uh, help himself this time, especially with Trump, his main adversary, gone? Meanwhile, South Carolina Senator Tim Scott plans to stick to his more positive brand on the debate stage and believes that this will set him apart from the field. He has been inching up in the polls, particularly in Iowa. He likes to portray his life as proof of the American dream. He spent more on ads than any Republican running for president. He says he plans to be the, quote, happy warrior on stage. And then there's Mike Pence. Can he convince Republican primary voters who overwhelmingly favor Donald Trump that he did the right thing on January 6th when he decided not to try to overturn the presidential election results? It's hard to ride that line. He has been going with the more traditional GOP message of a strong foreign policy, conservative social policies, including a federal abortion ban, as he tries to attract evangelical voters who still overwhelmingly support Trump. As far as prep, his campaign began team sessions on Zoom about five weeks ago. Yeah. Can Pence bring over the Trump people who he needs? I mean, keep in mind, nearly half the party still with Trump. Uh, So someone who uh, is as critical uh, of Trump as he is, how does he do that? Uh, That's sort of been the challenge uh, for Pence for a while now. All right, we have a couple more here as we uh, run through the rest of the lineup here. Former South Carolina governor and U.N. ambassador Nikki Haley. She's expected to tout her foreign policy experience. Uh, That is one of her distinguishing factors. Also her experience running the state of South Carolina. She has a couple economic items to tout about her time there. Uh, She has tried to distinguish herself from her old boss. You know, she is another former Trump administration official, uh, but has had trouble breaking out so far. Uh, Expect to also hear from her. She's the only woman on stage. uh, So she will likely make a point of that. All right, there's two other folks you probably haven't heard of, but they will be on stage. They barely made it across the polling threshold. They're both at 1% in the polls. You have North Dakota Governor Doug Burgum. You might know him as the guy who gave a $20 gift cards to people who would give him a dollar donation. They had to each have 40,000 plus donors. So he did this whole bargain because he's a multi, multi, multi-millionaire where he was effectively giving people gift cards, 20 bucks for $1. I know some people who took him up on that bargain. They've gotten the gift cards, Jill. They have no intention of supporting Doug Burgum. They just wanted the free money. The reason why he's so rich, he's a tech entrepreneur. He sold his business to Microsoft a few years ago before becoming governor of North Dakota. He hasn't gotten much coverage, so we'll see what he has to say. And finally, on the other end of the stage, former Arkansas Governor Asa Hutchinson. He, like Christie, has been pretty critical of Trump. He says the party needs to speak the truth about the former president. Um, And especially if he's convicted of one of these crimes, he doesn't think that uh, Trump should be supported by people in the party. So he has that part of him, and then he's also sort of running like Pence. He's a social conservative. He believes in a federal abortion ban. And so there you have it. Those are the eight. Uh, A couple things to keep in mind tonight. We'll be doing live coverage over on the premium Instagram account. I'll be live during the whole debate. Second screen experience for all of you. You can watch the debate. You can watch me react. Maybe we'll have Jill on as a guest. I don't know. I haven't asked her yet until this (laughs) podcast. You want to pop on? Of course, I'd love to. All right, so Jill will pop on at some point during the debate for her thoughts. Uh, We'll be fact-checking. I'll give you a reaction. I'll give you some behind the scenes. I was involved in producing presidential debates at Fox and at CBS. We'll tell you what goes into that. So that's if you become a Mo News Premium member over at mo.news today. We'll get you in over on the Instagram account. And also for all of you, we'll include a link in bio 
But we have bingo boards for you. We tried it out for the State of the Union. You liked it. We have a real one. We have a, a fun one, an aspirational one. And then we have a special edition third one for all of you, which I think you'll all enjoy. Jill, you've got a sneak peek at them. Okay, so I'm actually checking out some of the bingo boards as we speak, and I, I'm giggling to myself. The wish list edition is is genuinely so, so funny. I think my favorite is um, the fly returns to my <laughs> to Mike Pence's head. Do you remember that during one of the debates, he had a fly like on his hair for the whole time? Just it was just. There. If, if you can tell me, if if anyone who listens to the podcast can tell me anything else they remember from the Kamala Harris-Mike Pence debate, I dare you. You don't. A fly landed on Pence's head. That was the most notable thing about it. We do hope one returns tonight. It would certainly give us something to talk about. Anyway, those bingo boards uh, are linked in the show notes. So uh, be on the lookout for that. All right, now to a story that's affecting kids across the country as the school year starts. A shortage of bus drivers in districts in all 50 states. And this is creating a logistical nightmare for schools and parents. It's created delays in the morning and in the afternoons. One district in Kentucky, which transports about 65,000 students every day, said that before the pandemic, they had 900 drivers And now they've got less than 600. According to Fox Business, the East Baton Rouge school system in Louisiana went as far as canceling school on Monday because of a lack of drivers. The superintendent there is calling it a transportation crisis. A new survey from Hop Skip Drive, which is a ride service for kids, found that 92% of school leaders reported that bus driver shortages had constrained their operations And that's up from 88% in last year's report and 78% in 2021. Yeah, 92% there. That's basically everybody. So around half the country's school children rely on school bus services. In Chicago, most routes are suspended for the upcoming school year. Across Virginia, districts there are desperate for emergency drivers. When it comes to the issue here, uh, more than 220 U.S. school leaders and staff were sampled in a recent report, and they found that the primary reasons for the shortage were issues recruiting new bus drivers and drivers retiring. Other estimations include driver pay and losing drivers to the private industry. Uh, Keep in mind, when it comes to pay, school bus drivers earn an average annual wage of just about $42,000, but that's assuming full-time drivers, and most districts depend on part-time drivers. And that's the huge issue here we've been hearing from parents in the Monus community who've been describing situations where their kids have to go out two and a half hours before school because they're consolidating lines, uh, and then a whole bunch of people are showing up at the same time. Uh, Add to that metal detectors at schools this year uh, due to security, and some kids are waiting 45 minutes getting late to class because of the school bus issue and then the security issue in schools. Mosh, we've got a lot to get to in this podcast, but we want to talk about a new partner that we have that is amazing for everyone with a small business out there or those who are ready to launch their own startup. How does this sound make you feel? Like I'm rich, Jill. (laughs) Well, that is the sound (laughs) of a sale using Shopify. If you're a business owner, you're always looking for a solution to get your product to as many people as possible. Well, Shopify is the commerce platform that is revolutionizing millions of businesses worldwide. Whether you're an entrepreneur making your way on Facebook Marketplace or even IPO ready, Shopify is the only tool that you really need to start, run, and grow your business without a struggle. And once you've reached your audience, Shopify is the internet's best converting checkout to help you turn them from browsers to buyers. 
We hope to have some Mo News merch pretty soon, and we'll be looking to launch it on Shopify, cool mugs, shirts, etc. Well, right now, there is a special deal for the Mo News community. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash Mo News. That's all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash Mo News to take your business to the next level today. All right, now for one of our longtime partners here at Mo News, AG1, Athletic Greens uh, daily foundational nutritional supplement that supports full body health. I started drinking it last year. I've talked to friends about AG1. Uh, one described it as nutritional insurance, meaning if you have AG1 in the morning, you know you're covered for the day in terms of all your nutrients that your body needs. It's just one scoop of the AG1 powder with a glass of water in the morning. It's easy, it's quick, and it ensures you get over 75 important ingredients, including tons of vitamins and minerals, pre and probiotics for your gut health. Some in the Monus community have told us it's helped them with mood support, boosted their energy. Uh, they've actually seen their skin and hair look healthier. So right now with your first purchase of AG1, Athletic Greens is giving Mo News listeners a free one-year supply of their vitamin D and five free travel packs of the AG1 powder. You can visit right now, drinkag1.com slash Mo News. That is drinkag with the number one.com slash Mo News to take advantage of the offer. You can get a discounted monthly subscription. You can try it just one time for one month. Again, drinkag one the number one.com slash Mo News for this special deal. Time now for the speed read. Let's start overseas with that dramatic scene in Pakistan from NBC News. Army commandos using helicopters and a makeshift chairlift rescued eight people from a broken cable car. It was dangling hundreds of feet above a canyon in a remote part of Pakistan. Officials say there were six children between the ages of 11 and 15 years old and two adults. They became trapped when one of the cables snapped while the passengers were crossing a river canyon. The children were on their way to school. Uh, The dramatic effort transfixed the country for hours. And because helicopters couldn't fly after sunset, rescuers eventually shifted from an airborne effort to a risky operation that involved using one cable that was still intact to approach the car with the chairlift. Yeah, they effectively created a zip line there. We posted some of the video on the Instagram account. Uh, A lot of people watching this, I mean, people not just in Pakistan were transfixed by this. Uh, People in Europe, you know, we heard from people around the world who are watching this saying, Mosh, are you watching this right now? (laughs) Pretty incredible pictures. The uh, initial rescue was pretty precarious with the helicopters because as they would get close to the chairlift, they would start blowing the chairlift. And this is over a huge ravine here leading to the children screaming in fear. So they were able to save a couple via the chopper. And then as it got dark, uh, we mentioned, you know, using one line as a zip line. Uh, Villagers frequently use cable cars to get around Pakistan's mountainous region. This is in far northwestern Pakistan. Uh, It cuts down on walking routes that sometimes take hours. Uh, They were describing that these kids in particular used to have to walk three to four hours each way to school, uh, crossing a river, going down a perilous mountain path. Uh, And then they built these cable cars, which cut that to less than an hour. The issue is with these cable cars, they're not heavily regulated. Uh, They're sort of retrofitted, and they have huge security issues. Just a few years ago uh, in the country, uh, 10 people were killed when a cable car fell into a ravine in a popular mountain resort there in Pakistan. But uh, the picture's pretty incredible. And it's nice to be able to report a bit of good news here to lead the speed read today. Staying overseas from the BBC, the BRICS Summit, how China's and Russia's clout is growing in Africa. The wealthiest square mile in Africa is hosting a big international summit this week. 
with a mixture of pride, relief, and a hint of unease. Santon is a glitzy banking district on the outskirts of South Africa's increasingly dilapidated city of Johannesburg. And it is the venue for the latest meeting of the BRICS group, which is the block of five countries who represent that acronym. BRICS stands for Brazil, Russia, India, China, and South Africa. They are united by a desire to challenge perceived Western dominance at global affairs. Dozens of other nations want to join. And one big question going into this was whether or not Vladimir Putin would join in person. In the end, he decided to attend virtually, making this a bit less controversial. So Vlad is on Zoom with the rest (laughs) of the leaders there. (laughs) Had he insisted on coming, which was a total possibility here, South Africa would have been in a very difficult position because they are members of the International Criminal Court and they have an international obligation to have arrested Putin for his alleged war crimes in Ukraine. He is wanted for war crimes and South Africa would have had to arrest him. Totally awkward. So they're very happy Putin is joining from Russia remotely, virtually. (laughs) Can you even imagine? (laughs) Welcome to the summit. (laughs) Hope you had a nice flight over. Now you're arrested. But we're going to hand you to the West at this anti-West summit. So this summit, the BRIC summit, it's been happening for a few years now. It's still in its infancy, but it is generating a lot of excitement and questions. And I've heard them from some of the people who listen to this podcast. So these are the five countries. Now you have a whole bunch of countries, like 20 others that want to join. I'll post a map on Instagram. Indonesia wants in. Saudi Arabia wants in. Kazakhstan wants in. They all want in. Um, the question is, what is it? Is it an alternative to the G7 or G20 or just just another body? It depends on who you ask. If you ask Russia, down with America, this is an alternative. We're here to you know effectively kill off America here with our own version of this. If you ask Brazil, the B in BRICS, they say not so fast. This is another place where we can meet with folks, another way to build economic ties. We want to play nice with America. We also want to play nice with all of you. So they have to kind of decide what BRICS is and what it wants to be. Uh, There's been a lot of talk, this was part of Putin's speech uh, so far, about a currency alternative, eliminating the dominance of the US dollar globally. You know, the dollar is what most of the globe trades with, uh, et cetera. But creating an alternative would be very tough. You effectively would need to get China, Russia, India, South Africa, Brazil, all different places, very different economies, billions of people, all to accept one currency. How exactly would that work? The Chinese have a closed-off currency with no real transparency. Anyway, uh, an example of this, of course, is the euro. You know, Europe did this. And that's similarly-sized economies, though you do have the Germanys and the Greeces of the world. And they've had huge challenges. And guess what hasn't disrupted dollar's domination? The euro. Kind of, but not really. And so for those of you who ask about this, for those of you who have an uncle who's saying the dollar's going down, let me tell you, bricks. I'm here to tell you, ain't happening for decades. Uh, we have a deep dive over on Mo News Premium on the Instagram account uh, to tell you about it, to explain what it would take. Uh, but it's an interesting uh, alliance to watch, uh, important to watch. But as far as taking on the U.S. dollar, not anytime soon. From the Hill, the Biden administration officially launching the new income-driven student loan repayment plan for borrowers on Tuesday. This is ahead of repayments restarting this fall, the official launch of what they are calling the Saving on a Valuable Education Plan, or SAVE, comes just weeks before interest will begin to accrue on student loans starting next month. 
For the first time in more than three years, repayments will resume in October, although no financial consequences will come to borrowers if they are unable to pay for up to a year. SAVE replaces another income-driven repayment plan called Repay. Borrowers currently enrolled in that program will automatically be transferred to SAVE and will likely save more money. The plan calculates loan payments using a borrower's income and family size instead of their loan balance and will forgive some remaining balances sooner. So some key features here, and we will include in show notes the link to figure out uh, if you're eligible and how much you would save. So undergraduate borrowers' payments will be reduced from 10% of discretionary income to 5%, and people with both graduate and undergraduate loans will pay some sort of average in between. An individual borrower making somewhere between $32,000 per year and a family of four making less than $67,500 a year will pay $0 in monthly payments. The government says about 1 million people are eligible for this benefit. Other changes this year include that unpaid interest will not grow if borrowers are making their payments. And income for borrowers who are married but file separately will not be counted. Also important to note here, loan balances will be forgiven after 10 years of payment instead of 20 years if the original loan is 12000 or less. So a lot of specificity here, a lot of numbers. Again, we recommend you go to the link in the show notes uh, if one of those numbers jives with where you are at uh, and you're looking to potentially save some money on your loans. From CNBC, Macy's says it will open four more stores that look a lot different than its typical giant mall anchors as it tries to refresh a brand that has lost luster with many shoppers. The struggling retailer thinks that the format is working. The new shops will open in Boston, Las Vegas, and San Diego. And another debuted this month in suburban Indiana. The locations will be smaller and situated in strip malls. They'll host events and frequently swap out merchandise. The CEO telling CNBC that Macy's smaller stores outperform the company in the most recent quarter. So Macy's still trying to make retail happen in person, brick and mortar. They've already opened 10 similar stores to test this new concept. Some are called Market by Macy's, a mini version of Macy's namesake stores, and others are named Bloomies, a smaller version of the upscale department store, Bloomingdale's, which I think most people already sort of use the nickname Bloomies, right? I thought it was already called Bloomies. <laughs> That's what I call well, it. Bloomies now is, is mini. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, apparently they're making it official. These like mini little Bloomies. We'll see how they do with this. Uh, the off-mall shops are one way Macy's is trying to address an existential question, how it can refresh its reputation and merchandise to appeal to younger shoppers who see the, I can't believe it's this old, 165-year-old department store only as a place where their parents or grandparents used to go. It launched a new women's apparel brand earlier this summer called On 34th, a tribute to its Herald Square location on 34th Street in Manhattan. Evian and cheese sandwiches, anyone? From Entertainment Weekly, we regret to inform you that Fire Festival 2 tickets are officially on sale. Billy McFarlane's stint in prison for fraud gave him the time to churn out a 50-page business plan to revive the Fire Festival. And believe it or not... <laughs> that was a productive time in the uh, prison library. I know that's a place where sometimes prisoners convert to a new religion, Billy's just churning out business plans. And, and Mosh, believe it or not, you can now buy tickets to this event. In a YouTube video posted on Sunday, the convicted con artist officially announced Fire Festival 2. It is set to take place in the Caribbean sometime at the end of next year. The specific dates, 
location and festival lineup still haven't been revealed, but tickets are currently on sale starting at $499 and going up to almost (laughs) $8,000. Is anybody buying this, Moshe? I I don't even understand. Hold on. With with all due, who's paying the $8,000? Like who's buying? Like maybe I'm curious. I'll buy the $5 ticket. Who's buying the $8,000 ticket? Really? All right, let's just play a clip from McFarland's YouTube video. It has been the absolute wildest journey to get here, and it really all started during the seventh month stint in solitary confinement. I wrote out this 50-page plan of how it would take this overall interest and demand in fire, and how it would take my ability to bring people from around the world together to make the impossible happen. So there you have it. He came up with this idea while in solitary confinement. He said he is working with the best partners in the world as far away as the Middle East and South America and decided once again to bring the festival to the Caribbean. And he ended the video with, guys, this is your chance to get in. This is everything that we've been working towards. Let's effing go. Inspirational words, Jill. Let's do it. Let's take the podcast on the road to Fire Festival Part Duh. Uh, For those of you who aren't familiar by now, uh, there were documentaries last year on Hulu and Netflix. Pretty entertaining. There was Netflix's Fire, the greatest party that never happened. And then Hulu had Fire Fraud. Uh, I imagine some of you have watched that. If you haven't, definitely entertaining. Pick one. He was released from federal prison last May after serving four years for defrauding investors committing wire fraud in that ill-fated 2017 Fire Festival. That was the festival he launched with rapper Ja Rule at the time. It was branded as a luxury musical extravaganza with gourmet dining, but amounted to FEMA tents and cheese sandwiches. McFarland's attorney told USA Today last year that his client was putting together a team to organize and plan for projects that will allow him to generate the restitution for all those affected. He has to pay people back. So if you pay and go into Fire Festival 2... Conceivably, some of that money will go to people that he uh, took money from for Fire Festival 1. And if you're not going to Fire Festival 2, Jill, wait for the Broadway show. Apparently, he says he's developing a musical based on Firefest coming soon. You know, I do think that the debacle that was Fire Festival did raise a lot of interesting questions as well for the influencers, people like Kendall Jenner, Bella Hadid, that promoted all of this on Instagram, didn't disclose initially that they'd been paid to do it, um, and didn't really mm-hmm. face any repercussions for it. I, I think it does beg the question, you know, do influencers have responsibility uh, for what they promote? Well, I certainly hope so. But, you know, depending on premium signups, Jill, maybe the Mo News account will be promoting Fire Festival too. I kid, I kid. I have no intention of promoting. This, by the way, this story we do is a news story. We're not being paid by Billy McFarland or Firefest, nor do I think he would want us to since we've been pretty critical the entire time. I don't think we're his target audience, um, but I love reading no. the comments on stories. And the comments on this are just brutal. People are like, I would rather take my money and just burn it with a match than give it to Billy McFarlane for Fire Festival 2. The Mo News community is far too savvy to spend a dime (laughs) with Billy McFarlane right now. And from People Magazine, Serena Williams is a mom of two. The 41-year-old tennis icon and tech entrepreneur husband, Alexis Ohanian, have welcomed their second baby girl, Ohanian writing on Instagram, welcome Adira River Ohanian. He also opened up about feeling more confident about welcoming baby number two than his first go around as a dad. So he wrote, we're not first time parents anymore. I feel more confident about having a newborn. 
all of those things that I just had zero confidence about with Olympia, their first child, because I'd never, ever been around babies at that point in my life. He said, they're obviously taking every precaution and doing everything we can to make sure everything goes smoothly for Serena. We should note Williams has been very open about her experiences as a mom, and that includes her near-death experience with blood clots and other complications after the birth of their first daughter. So congratulations to them. And I'm a big fan of both of them, but Ohanian specifically, I think, has been such a role model for dads in just talking about taking paternity leave and how dads need to play this active role from right away when their children are born. Ohanian, of course, uh, very successful in his own right. Uh, For those of you unfamiliar, he's the co-founder of the social media site Reddit. All right, now time for On This Day in History. On this August 23rd, we begin in 1784. As we do, four counties in Western North Carolina declare their independence. You probably have never heard of the state of Franklin, but it existed for four years. They would go independent as a country because Congress didn't accept them into the Union uh, as they were dealing with attacks from Native American tribes at the time. There's back and forth there. The state of Franklin would be no more and they would rejoin the U.S. Those counties, by the way, are now part of Tennessee. All right. As promised at the beginning of the podcast, 50 years ago today, Stockholm Syndrome got its name. A bank robbery would begin on this day in Stockholm, Sweden. It would result in a hostage situation. And over the course of the several-day standoff, the captives formed an unlikely bond with their captor, giving rise to the term Stockholm Syndrome. They were bonding with the captors. They refused to cooperate with the police. And so uh, you would get this term, Stockholm Syndrome. They would end that peaceably, send the uh, bank robber, the attempted bank robber, to jail. He would later write a book called... What else? Stockholm Syndrome. All right, fast forward to the early 90s. On this day, 32 years ago, Super Nintendo was released in North America. It was a big day. Though, Jill, there's always a special place in my heart for OG Nintendo. You know, the blowing on the cartridges, (laughs) the the Duck Hunt gun. Yeah. Tetris, Super Mario Brothers, Paperboy. I loved all of those. All right, and a bit of recent history for you. On this day, two years ago, big moment, the first COVID vaccine was approved. In 2021, this was the day the Pfizer vaccine was approved. It was the first one to get full approval in the U.S. after about 16 months of COVID, a very big deal indeed. All right, and we end here with a bit of music news. On this day in 2004, 19 years ago, rock band Queen, fronted by gay icon Freddie Mercury, became the first rock band to be given the seal of approval in Iran to sell their music. Uh, Even the Ayatollahs, Jill, can't pass up on (laughs) Queen. With all the draconian rules, authoritarianism, terrible treatment, human rights, uh, and distaste for Western culture, Western influences, they said, we got to have our Queen. And that's what I got for you on this day, August 23rd. Again, it's going to be a long day over here at uh, Mo News. Thank you for listening to the Mo News podcast. If you like what you hear, please share this with your friends. We'd really appreciate it. It will help us grow. Follow us and subscribe so you don't miss an episode and review us in the App Store. And make sure to check out uh, those bingo cards for the debate tonight. Whether you watch or not, I think you'll find them entertaining. And of course, join Mo News Premium, mo.news slash premium uh, to support us uh, and also get access to that extra Instagram account uh, where we'll be able to watch the debate together. What else do you want to do on your Wednesday night? You know, I'm thinking, and honestly, to me, it's fun also. <laughs> I find the debates really fun. Jill, it's way past your bedtime, though. I, I hope at least we can get you in the first half of the day. I was going to say when you asked me if I could do an Instagram live appearance, sure, as long as it's before 930. You got it. <laughs> I don't know if Fox would like a commercial that early, but we'll see. All right. Bye, everyone. 
Thanks for listening to the Mo News Podcast.